Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pages Unknown, the podcast dedicated to all things bookish and nerdy. My name is Zachariah, and I will be joined, as always, by my fabulous co-host, Michaela. Say hi, Michaela. Hi, Michaela. As a reminder, new episodes of Pages Unknown air every Wednesday. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts, as well as on TikTok and Instagram under the name Pages Unknown. If you find yourself enjoying the podcast today, please leave us a rating on Apple or Spotify. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. This week for the podcast, both Zachariah and I read The Taking of Jake Livingston by Ryan Douglas. Before we get into it, we do want to put a trigger warning here for both the book and this episode. Please check the content warnings before listening and reading. There are descriptions of different types of abuse, gun violence, racism, and homophobia. The Taking of Jake Livingston is a queer paranormal horror novel set in DeKalb County, Georgia, that follows 11th grader Jake Livingston as he tries to navigate being one of the only black students at a prep school. Now, this would be a challenge for anyone, but Jake also has something else up against him. He can see (laughs) dead people. Not only can he see them, he can hear them, he can feel them. The descriptions of his interactions with the dead seem extremely, extremely distracting. I don't know how anyone Mm -hmm. would be able to sit through class while a dead body is dragging itself across the floor or slamming into the window or screaming in the distance. To top it all off, Jake is also navigating his sexuality through his first crush. This is all extreme and would be difficult for anyone. And Jake is doing his best to handle it. And then an extremely vengeful spirit of a school shooter decides he wants to possess Jake. Now, together with his friends and his wits, Jake has to defeat this vengeful spirit before he destroys everything Jake holds dear. Zechariah, what I just described would be a lot for anyone to read. How did you process this? I really enjoyed this book. This was the first book that I'm doing a book journal entry for. I started my book journal and I got some fancy pins for it. I'm really excited. There's a post on TikTok where I walk through my fabulous green journal and all of my fancy little pins. But this was the first one that I got to actually use those little fancy pins for. Some of the words I wrote down after I was done reading it, fast paced, short. I wanted more book. It was a little triggering. It was scary at times. It was playful. It was relatable in quite a few places where I didn't think I was going to relate to one of the characters. It's complex. It's a little layered. It's also super fun. Like there are moments of this that feel a little campy. This book kind of is doing a lot at one time. I think there are some characters I would have liked to have been more fleshed out. There is a mentor of Jake's that I would have loved to have another chapter or so with her as Mm -hmm. he kind of goes through some of these things that he can do. The love interest portion of this was very well done and very cute. And so sweet. Oh, it was so nice. The bullying scenes in this, it was a little much. And I've been there. I have definitely been the kid who's being bullied. Cannot imagine what it's like to be bullied, though, in a school where you are black and gay with a bunch of non-black and gay folks around you. Uh, It's a little much. I really, really did enjoy this book. I'm glad that we decided to read this. It's a short read. You go through it really quickly. Yeah, for sure. Something you could add to your TBR and read in a day if you wanted to. Three hours, four hours, you could totally knock this book out. Absolutely. Very easy to do. Michaela, what did you think about it? I agree. I really liked it. I will say, just like you did, I do wish certain things were a bit more fleshed out. I feel like Mm -hmm. he could have gone two directions. Either he could have cut out some of the scenes and some of Mm -hmm. the relationships to keep the book short and tight, or he could have fleshed it out and made the book Mm -hmm. longer. I was happy for the length, 
Because like you said, mm-hmm. it's easy to read in one setting. But there was so much that I wanted to see more of. And yeah. some of the scenes towards the end did feel very rushed. Like the conclusion felt kind of rushed. The conclusion felt rushed. It felt like it was done well, but I think it could have been fleshed out a bit more because there were actions that were taken and it didn't necessarily feel like there were conclusions to every single one of them. There were also some loose hanging threads with some characters and their connections to their family that I wanted to be explored a bit more or to be fleshed out. But some of those that were not fleshed out weren't central to the plot. They were not essential, right? These are small quibbles that we have with the book that we overall really did enjoy. Love the word quibble, by the way. <laughs> Great use of that word. <laughs> it's so funny because quibble is in this toothpaste brand. It's called Squibble. It's very funny. It's like in my <laughs> brain right now. <laughs> God. I went to the dentist recently, so it's on my it's on my mind. <laughs> God. I really enjoyed this book, though, for all that it was, Mm -hmm. and even all the things that it could have done maybe a little better, I still really enjoyed it. I thought that the characters were really engaging. I did see some criticisms, people saying like, oh, well, why? how am I supposed to care about a character who doesn't care about anything? You know, Jake sort of is presenting with obviously Mm -hmm. a lot of trauma. He literally sees people's deaths happen every single day. And because of that, he detaches, you know, he doesn't form connections very easily. And I did not think that it made it harder to care about him. I think it made it way Mm -hmm. easier for me to care about him because I was desperate to help him. I wanted someone around him to give more of a shit. And it made me really upset. Family relationships are like a big thing in this book. You start to realize that. Yeah, you start to realize that with both of the characters that it alternates between the POVs of Jake and then his other character, Sawyer, that you're going to read throughout the book. Family relationships are the thing that kind of drives people to do different actions throughout the book. The mom was very interesting. I think I wanted a little bit more from Jake's mom. I think I got enough from Sawyer's mom. I think both characters. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I got a pretty clear image of who we were dealing with on that side of things. Absolutely. And here's the thing. No tea, no shade. I know mothers are very similar to this. I'm from a part of the country that is a little bit more rural. And that's how Sawyer is kind of portrayed. Some of his family lives out in the sticks, right? Sawyer has talked about how far out of town his family and his extended family live. So I absolutely understand where some of these attitudes and the portrayals come from. I have seen them firsthand. (laughs) Do you think if this book was shorter that we would be doing an episode about it? If this book had been any shorter, I think it would be included in like a list of quick reads. And if it was longer, I worry that it could have dragged on. Like places where we want more details, I'm worried it would have just made things feel longer. And those reviews you're talking about, a couple of folks DNF'd this book. I think maybe more people might end up DNFing it. To be clear, this book is not a novella. It does not read like a novella. Mm -hmm. We just did an episode talking about novellas when we were talking Mm -hmm. about Peter Jelly Clark. Done well, novellas can be great. They can tell a story succinctly where you don't feel like you're missing out on anything. This is Mm -hmm. not that. This is a book. It just happens to be short. I don't think that as much as I would have liked to have seen more fleshed out scenes, I don't know that this book would have suffered being shorter Mm. or would have gained something being longer. Yeah, we got the amount of story that we got. You know, this is what we're working with. So if it were shorter, would we have done a whole episode? Probably, because there's still a lot to unpack here. That's A true. lot. Yeah. There's a lot of very interesting topics that we, we're going to cover. You know, like you were just <laughs> mentioning family relationships. You know, we've got yeah. bullying. We've got mental illness and kids. We've got parents who don't know how to cope with the fact that their children are mentally ill. Yeah. 
which I think is a very interesting commentary right now, where a lot of people are finally coming around, specifically in older generations, to the idea that medicating for your mental illnesses, anxiety, problems with social and personal relationships is not mm -hmm. something to be ashamed of. Right. You know, Sawyer's mother is so embarrassed by the fact that her son is struggling mm -hmm. mentally. And that little tidbit contributes itself to every single aspect of Sawyer's decision-making skills. You're absolutely right. Jake's sibling doesn't necessarily believe him about being able to see ghosts at the beginning of the book and kind of just thinks you've got something wrong with you in your brain. And as the book goes along, Jake is like, you need to understand what's going on. And so you start to see it move from, oh, you have mental illness to, oh, you've got trauma, but also you have paranormal senses. There are some real things happening right here. Sawyer's family, you're right. There's this thing where she wants to be seen as quote unquote normal, right? She's She doesn't want to admit that there are problems, but there were many problems before Sawyer went to therapy or was on any medication. You'll notice that both of the family's mother raising the kids. And I'll just yep. leave it at that because the book goes into it a little bit more. I actually do want to talk about a very specific scene. There's a scene where Sawyer, we're reading from Sawyer's perspective, it's his diary, and he's talking about how his mom is saying, Are, is the medication working? Mm -hmm. And he says, yeah. And in his diary, he writes that he crushed it all up and sprinkled it on a hornet's nest. That, to me, was such an incredible little allegory for what was going on in his house and in his mind oh, yeah. overall. The therapy and the medication and the time spent with family was just sprinkling a little white substance over the hornet's nest that was happening mm -hmm. in his head and who he was as a person. I thought that was a great little tidbit. I was like, oh, I see you. Let's just make this numb so that all of the buzzing and the violence that could happen inside, let's just, let's just numb it. Let's just do it. Sawyer was actively fighting against that. We're very much supposed to draw connections between Jake and Sawyer. There mm. are very obvious similarities. They just go in two different paths, very different mm -hmm. paths. Jake is dealing with racism. The point I think Ryan Douglas was making in this book is that it isn't all overt racism. That does take place. There are scenes mm -hmm. that have what is very overtly racist commentary towards Jake. Mm -hmm. But it's more the microaggressions of everyone around him day in, day out that are tipping him over the edge and making him feel even more isolated than he would just seeing dead people mm -hmm. <laughs> or just being yeah. gay or just being one of something in a, a grander mm -hmm. environment. The fact that the entire book is inlaid with these microaggressions towards Jake just hammers the point home even further that to be black in any space the first thing that people see about you is the color of your skin. Absolutely. If I keep my mouth closed and I sit with my legs straight in a room, I'm just a white cis straight man. Like I can absolutely just take all of those identities off me for the moment. You can't walk into a room and take off being black. On the more positive side of the family relationships, something that we see in this book that we also saw in the last book we read, Legendborn, was the strength that comes from connecting to one's ancestors and people in our family history that guide and help us regain our strength. Jake has some great scenes with his grandfather who basically tells him to get his act together. He's like, buck <laughs> up, buddy. <laughs> you can't let Satan win. <laughs> I did make a note. I read on the ebook version. And so I, I will highlight in yellow that specific scene that you are referencing. This is not in our notes either. Like Michaela doesn't know that I did this, but I highlighted it where Jake and the grandfather are talking. And in this moment, I had to put the book down for a second. And I'm like, I wish 
I wish to everything that I had a grandparent who acted like this. It's multi-layered, obviously, because of the generation that his grandfather is from. It was a beautiful scene, and I'm really happy with it. But you're right, there are these very easy parallels between Legendborn and this book talking about the power of knowing your past, of knowing your family, of not shying away from the trauma or the problems that were there, and instead being like, this is just a part of our history, and this is where we go from here. Absolutely. I also really liked the switch that happened in Jake when he did make that connection to Mm -hmm. his family and start really gaining self-confidence. He was no longer entertaining those microaggressions we were just talking about. You know, there's a scene with the principal where the principal is saying, you know, I'm not racist. Uh, Everyone's going to call me racist if I, you know, Jake does something a little bit shady and with (laughs) good reason, by the way. Yep. Good reason. And he's the only one being punished. And he basically Mm -hmm. says to the principal, I can't tell you what decision you're going to make. You're going to make the decision. You're the one in charge here. Figure your life out. I don't care what you do. I've got bigger fish to fry. In this moment and moments throughout this book, there are actions that different characters take that you're like, this is outlandish and not the way we should handle it. But oh my God, do I feel that you are justified in this action, especially Jake's in this one that we're referencing, but also Sawyer a couple of times. There are moments where I understand exactly why you're angry. I don't think you should be doing this, but I fully understand. Yeah, I feel like the connections we draw between Sawyer and Jake do have Mm -hmm. a very clear end point where Mm -hmm. Jake is justified in a majority of his actions. Sawyer Mm -hmm. is not. There are a few reasons that, yeah, he has a right to be angry. Yeah, he has a right to be whatever. But he also is cruel. He's vindictive. Mm -hmm. And he takes it out on people who might not deserve it the same way he takes it out on people who do. Jake is more discerning in who suffers because of his internalized anger. That's a good way to put it, I think. Sawyer is lashing out because of many things that have compounded. In some ways, Jake definitely feels this anger at the different situations that he is put in throughout the book and even before the book and angry at others for not taking action on his behalf. So when he does take action for himself, all of this is compounded yet again. All of the problems that we've described here kind of come to a head and then the scene with the principal kind of occurs. And the same frustration I get whenever we have a book that's exploring the effects of bullying and Mm -hmm. the uh, mental impact of being isolated. It's always these adults saying, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell Mm -hmm. me it was that bad? Why didn't you bring that to me? And Jake says it perfectly. What would you have done? Nothing. Oh, 100%. You would have done nothing. So I didn't tell you. They wouldn't have listened. I have been this person who's tried to tell a teacher, specifically one in in junior high, I remember, I tried to tell a teacher that somebody was being awful to a lot of us. And those things went unheard. And I was actually told, well, why don't you just sit on the other side of the room? Ma'am, you made the seating chart. You put me there. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) I I understand. Yeah. No, it's a thing of saying it's it's a way of turning it around and blaming the other person instead of Mm -hmm. accepting culpability. If you're a teacher out there, you see your classroom day in, day out. You don't you can't tell people in good faith that you don't see when someone's having a problem. It's very obvious. And if you don't do anything about it, your inaction has consequences. And it does fall on you. Mm -hmm. And that's what Jake's saying. What would you have done? Nothing. So what am Mm -hmm. I going to tell you for? 
Exactly. I actually think a couple of these themes that you and I think have been tackled and handled well throughout the book are going to be the things that end up getting this book banned. I do think that this is going to end up on one of those lists, which is why I personally would like to encourage everybody to look into this book and to read it as long as the trigger warnings aren't super, super bad for you. Florida is doing a thing banning a bunch of books and it's happening all over the country. We've made a couple of videos about it on our TikTok. I think this is going to be one of the next ones that's on the list. Yeah, it has two hallmarks of a book that will get banned, which is it includes a black character and LGBTQ representation, which those two things are already a death knell for a book when people are are selecting which books they want to quote unquote challenge, which is just a fancy Mm -hmm. word for ban. Actually, something that this book made me think of, this is going to sound ridiculous, so please stay with me. I promise I'm not trying to trivialize it. There's an episode of Danny Phantom. Yeah. Okay. Stay with me. Stay with me. There's an episode of Danny Phantom where Danny is interacting with a student who was bullied, who Mm -hmm. passed and is now enacting his revenge on the people who he blames for his malcontent. This I can't remember the name of the episode. Actually, let me look it up very quickly. You know, while you look it up, I'll just tell folks I do have Danny Phantom kind of like campy vibes written down. I do think it would make sense for people to pull those out just because it's a young person who has the ability to see the dead. Yes. Very differently handled. Oh, did you find it? What is, what's the episode? So it's Sydney Point Dexter (laughs) is the name of the ghost. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. Rough, rough look. So he's, the episode is called Splitting Images. Mm -hmm. He appears in every season later, according to this Danny Phantom wiki. And basically, he uses his powers to bully the bullies, but he takes it a little bit too far in an episode. I won't spoil the episode for anyone who wants to go watch Danny Phantom. (laughs) (laughs) But I was getting those type of vibes to an extreme degree. Again, I'm not trying to trivialize the events of this book. They're a lot more serious than what's going on in the episode of Danny Phantom, if you could believe it. But it was giving me those vibes a little bit, like you're saying, Mm -hmm. the campy sort of, there were silly scenes and over-exaggerated scenes that were also sort of reminiscent of Grady Hendrix books, where the violence is overplayed, you know? I actually think that this book specifically, if done differently, could have veered into after school special territory. And I'm super glad, like Degrassi territory. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I'm super glad that it didn't do that. It handled things deftly. It made you think about things, but it also was like, hey, we understand that this stuff is heavy. Here are some good things. And I think that that was well done. It was nice balance. Yeah. When we were talking about it, we were saying, you know, what would you relate this to? Is it similar to things? Yada, yada. Now I've said Danny Phantom, so I'm doomed now. People are going to be reaching out to us. (laughs) Something I said to you when we were sort of planning this episode, I think if this book were adapted Mm -hmm. to a movie, if we could do it in the same animation style as Coraline or Into the Spider-Verse, I think this book would be incredible as a movie or maybe a short TV series. I think it would make a really great four or five part thing that Netflix could just pour money into. I think it would be really, really fun. Ryan Douglas, I hope somebody is working with you to adapt this. It would be fantastic. I think you also mentioned that it was giving you vibes of 13 Reasons Why. There was some of that kind of going on. Yeah. So I read 13 Reasons Why years and years and years and years and years ago. I think I was like a freshman in high school. Mm -hmm. And if you've not read that book or seen the television show, which I think was what produced by Selena Gomez, it's about a girl who has unalived herself. And she has written a series or recorded a series of tapes Mm -hmm. and written down some things for the people who she blames. 
the people who yeah. led up to her making that decision. It is heavy. Yep. I was getting the vibe. I was getting the yeah. same type of, of vibe of teenagers who are overlooked, who don't get the attention that they desperately need. And because they are teenagers and their brains haven't fully developed yet, they make very impulsive decisions to get attention, to say, look at me, look at me, look at me. I was getting those vibes for sure. Something I do want to talk about too, and Zach, mm -hmm. I think you can speak to this a little bit more than me. You have an art background. Sure. For people who don't know, Zach has lived many lives before coming <laughs> coming and meeting me and starting this little podcast. <laughs> I went to a regular university and then I transferred to a private art academy where I studied fashion design sculpture, installations, and photography. Photography was what brought me there. So I have like an art background, but I'm not a drawer. I cannot right. draw. <laughs> right. Something in this book, even on the front cover, if you're looking at it, there's a theme of the color red. Mm -hmm. In the On the front cover of the book, we see Jake and these ghostly hands reaching out from behind him. His tie is bright red. The text is bright red. When Sawyer is being described, it's always crimson and reds mm -hmm. and deep reds. You know, we get descriptions of blood and it's always bright red contrasted against the backdrop of a ghostly scene, which is all blues and grays. What type of color theory is that? I think that it was meant to pop against these green, blue, black and white, everything else. I will say I love the cover art. It's really well done on the cover. You'll see around Jake this like ecto mist is what he calls it. So it's like this energy of the dead. This is this book's magic system, quote unquote. I don't know how else really to describe it. Our fantasy readership background is showing <laughs> the magic system. <laughs> the magic system uh, is actually just energy from dead people. And Jake has to learn how to use it. And it's just featured prominently on the front. This is done in a style that people are going to kind of immediately recognize. It's giving little hints of that late 70s, early 80s kind of horror, sci-fi kind of vibes to it. You'll also see in some of the ectomisks, some of the little bugs, little shapes of that spiders are kind of prominent in this. And so are bugs. So you have a little bit of this. I think what this cover obviously is trying to show us here is that there's some creepy shit that's about to go down, but we're not going to scare your pants the entire way off. I think maybe that's the <laughs> that's what the cover is showing us. I really liked it. I, I Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I know the color red is usually, it mm -hmm. signifies extremes. Either we have violence mm -hmm. and war and anger, or it's passion and love and that affection. I know that s studies have shown that the color red, just seeing it raises your blood pressure. It can incite fear responses. So I just felt like every other page, something was mm -hmm. red against the blue. And it just sort of stuck out to me. I wanted to see if... Yeah. Uh, what you thought. The color I think that kind of stuck out with me is the way that this ecto mist is described. When a spirit passes from this kind of nether area and goes beyond into the afterlife or whatever it may be. Uh, this book does not depict heaven or anything. It does not depict that. God is mentioned once or twice, but heaven. I, I think they mention hell too. They mention they hell. mention hell specifically, yes, but they don't. They don't mention heaven. But religion is not really the thing here. This is a little occult kind of stuff happening. But hell exists apparently. This ecto mist, the colors here that's described as these crystals or these sparks. It's really beautiful sounding. It reminded me a little bit of the way that in True Blood, 
how Sookie's power, like the light kind of, I know that sounds silly, but that's, that's what I kept imagining it looking like when Jake or someone else would manipulate this ecto mist. It's kind of like the physical embodiment of the force from Star Wars. You know what I mean? So I think that's really cool the way that that was described actually. I agree. Something else I really liked, the sort of witchy vibe. Jake, there's a scene where he's getting ready for bed. He's trying to protect himself. He's using eucalyptus oil and a diffuser, Mm -hmm. and he puts on this quartz ring that makes him feel safe. And it actually reminded me of a scene in the book by Sarah Penner, The Lost Apothecary, which is very different in plot, but they sort of talk about the healing power of crystals and having one close to you. I love crystals. I'm a big rock girl. If you could see my windowsill, it's covered in rocks. Um, So I just really liked that little nod to what he does to make himself feel protected. Well, you and I go to crystal shops once in a while when I am in your neck of the woods, I'll say. And (laughs) I mean, you have mentioned that the shop now has moved and has expanded their inventory. My local crystal shop is huge now. It's fantastic. When you walk in there, you take a deep breath and it feels amazing. Speaking of though, we would like to talk about some exciting things other than what we were just reading. Absolutely. We thought it would be really fun when we're talking about these books to then tell you what else is going on. What Mm -hmm. other books are sparking our fancy right now? What things we've ordered? What things we're reading? In that spirit, Zach, (laughs) what have you been up to? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the way that we set up this very podcast, Michaela and I will both read either one book or two books together for each episode. But once in a while, we just want to read something else entirely outside of this. And sometimes we even talk about that book on the podcast. The thing I've been doing, Michaela and I share a Kindle Unlimited account. And so I've been looking up short reads and they have these separated from 15 to 30, 45, and then on up. So I've been looking through those. I really really want some of these things I can just read while I'm having my morning coffee, kind of get some reading out of the way, or I can put it on when I'm on the treadmill. That's a thing that I've been looking at. One of the things I have found are some of these cutesy, kind of short, cozy fantasies. I'm doing the Bookshop and the Barbarian. I just finished Coffee, Milk, and Spider Silk, which was very fun. Great title. It's very cute. I know nothing about the author. I don't know if they've actually written any other books, but regardless. So I put a little series together, I think, about some of these shorter reads that I'm enjoying because sometimes you need a palate cleanser. You need something between oh yeah, between some of these books. How- <laughs> However, <laughs> you and I both fell prey to the Barnes & Noble pre-order sale. Oh my God, I can't even talk about it, but I'm going to. Well, we're going to. <laughs> I know many people listening are you know, huge, huge fans of not only the podcast, but of, uh, <laughs> of a good deal. Of a good deal. <laughs> So the books that... (laughs) It was a good deal, Michaela. Listeners of the pod, known deal hunters. (laughs) Known known thrifters. Oh my God. Continue. I'm sorry. This is why all of you come to the podcast, right? Because we're (laughs) telling you where books are on sale. Well, the sales ended by now. I'm sorry. We're getting all your hopes up. Jesus, Louise, (laughs) off the rails here. Okay. So some books that I have pre-ordered, we pre-ordered some of the same books so we could do them on the podcast together. 
two books that I pre-ordered that you did not. A Binny song by Peter Jelly Clark. I'm a huge fan of Peter Jelly Clark. Same. This person is going to become one of my auto buy authors. I just really, I'm really liking it. And the other one is Immortal Longings by Chloe Gong. This was a an accident that I ordered this, but I, I did want the book. I just didn't realize I had added it to my cart. So uh, hey, Chloe Gong. Uh. <laughs> huge fan. Honestly, huge fan, big fan. And then the other ones, we... Wait, did you order The Adventures of Amina Al-Sarafi? I did. Okay, so then we have, I think, four of the same books that we have ordered together. Yes, yes. We did The Adventures of Amina Al-Sarafi by S.A. Chakraborty, Yellowface by R.F. Kuang, Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. Is that how you say that? Y-A-R? That's, that's how I would say it. Okay, fantastic. And then the other one is The Chalice of the Gods by Rick Riordan. We're very excited. <laughs> Rick, hey, hey, bud. Oh, God, answer our email, please. <laughs> I don't know that that email is being monitored anymore. We might have to. Anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. We'll have another day. So that's what I pre-ordered and what you have pre-ordered as well. The other books that I'm reading, there's a lot happening right here, y'all. There's a lot of books that are passing from the bookseller's hand to my own. But I thrifted a couple and just purchased a couple of these. Obviously, Can't Spell Treason Without Tea, and then A Pirate's Life for Tea. Those two are the duology from Rebecca Thorne. We were given an arc for A Pirate's Life for Tea. Thank you. Very excited. Oh, thank you so much. Let me see. Before the coffee gets cold, I know that people have been talking about it for a while. I don't know that I'm mentally prepared to read this book. And this, Have you read this book, Michaela? I have not, but I've heard, I've heard things. I've heard whispers. <laughs> couple of other ones. We're doing The Wizard of Earthsea for another episode down the line. The Stars Undying we're doing a little bit down the line. (laughs) Worthy of the Raven by known podcast listener and friend of the pod, Y.L. Zamora. Our favorite. We love you. (laughs) She's very sweet. And her book comes out very soon. So go check out her page. See if y'all are interested. And the last thing I'm kind of digging into. So as I mentioned, we have this Kindle Unlimited account. So I'm trying to make the most of it because if I'm paying 10 bucks a month, I want to, I'm getting as much as I can out of it. It's a book on literary criticism. So it's digestible little pieces of it. It, I feel like if we're going to be doing this, I'd like a little bit more of a foundation about let's look at what it looks like to actually dissect a work and what it means in a broader sense. I feel like we all have opinions, but it might help me a little bit to focus my mind being able to do some things. (laughs) Focus my mind. (laughs) Open up your third eye. Friend of the pod. I just love... The cadence. I love it. (laughs) Okay. What about you? Do you have any kind of books that are circling in your orbit? Oh, do I ever. So (laughs) followers of our TikTok account and our Instagram will have seen me having a full-blown breakdown over the Mm -hmm. fact that the first in a series of deliveries I'm expecting from Brandon Sanderson arrived. Mm -hmm. A while back, my boyfriend and I backed his projects on Kickstarter along with millions of other people and things have started to arrive. So I got a beautiful, beautiful copy of Tress of the Emerald Sea. It's absolutely stunning, and I can't wait to read that. If y'all want to see what that package looked like that Michaela got, you should go check out our Instagram. Michaela also apparently had a past life as a photographer. She did a great job <laughs> capturing it. It's beautiful. <laughs> Thank it's beautiful you. cover. 
It's not me. It's it's how pretty the cover is. It's You can't take a bad picture of that book. I'm also reading the first book in the Mistborn series, which is called The Final Empire. I'm a little over halfway through and I love it. I did read Way of Kings and I think I prefer Mistborn. Favorite oh, okay. character is Vin. I'm obsessed with her. And funnily enough, in the package I received from Sanderson, mm-hmm. I got a little surprise pin of my girl Vin. And that was oh, very exciting. I already put it on my tote bag. Should we do an episode about one of these Brandon said, I will do it for you. I will read one of the thick boys. We could do it if it's you're tricky. It's oh, tricky tell me why. Because these not only are they thick, mm-hmm. but the multiverse in which they exist is oh. very thick. I have promised my boyfriend that because he's a big Sanderson fan, mm-hmm. that if we are to do an episode about Brandon Sanderson and the Cosmere, that he will be on it. Um, so we need to figure that all out. <laughs> Mike making an appearance on the pod. <laughs> yeah, we can invite Brian on as well just to have some balance. Um, Brian will actively be like, I don't know who this is that you are talking about. <laughs> I'm not reading that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Besides Brandon Sanderson, I am also reading a book by Hernan Diaz called Trust. That's been getting mm-hmm. a lot of attention recently. That has been really good. I'm very much yeah. enjoying it. It's a, a 1920s historical fiction set in New York, and it's it's very interesting. So I've been enjoying that. Is that a genre that you normally get into? Histor- I don't think I've read a lot no. of historical fiction. No, I do not read a lot of historical fiction. I think the closest I usually get is pirates when I read books. Mm, okay. about, I, I read books about pirates, and those would be quote unquote historical fiction, but it's peppered with fantasy. I don't read a lot of historical fiction because it just doesn't engage me very much. But this one is very good, I have to say. I mean, it's no surprise he's a Pulitzer finalist. So I'm not surprised yeah. by the fact that he's a good writer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also reading the fifth season by N.K. Jemison. This is the mm-hmm. first book in the Broken Earth series, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's all about a mom trying to get her daughter back in a backdrop of an apocalyptic nightmare. It's been mm-hmm. great. This book is a ton of really great reviews. I'm sure you've all heard of it by this point. I'm very much late to the party, but uh, I'm very excited about that. And now it's time for the portion of this podcast, which my boyfriend will listen to and question my financial literacy. <laughs> <laughs> My fiscal responsibility, because like you, Zachariah, I pre-ordered a bunch of books. You've mentioned Mm -hmm. the ones that we both pre-ordered. There are a couple that I got that you didn't. And we also just want to quickly say, having mentioned RF Kuang and Yellowface, everything that's going on with the HarperCollins union looks like we're starting to simultaneously make strides in them meeting them at the table again, but then also taking Mm -hmm. eight steps backward with this announcement of them laying off 5% of their employees. Clear union busting tactic, Mm -hmm. a very obvious attempt to... So discontent, like they're trying to dishearten those workers who are out there in the street protesting really is gross behavior. While also taking employees who might not be fully involved with the union and Mm -hmm. turning them against the union. So we're very frustrated by all of this, but we did just want to say, since we're mentioning that we pre-ordered Yellowface, we stand in solidarity with the HarperCollins union. Mm Mm-hmm. 100%. And if you Mm -hmm. are a book creator or a book lover, then you should too. 
Solidarity means actively listening to those who are being affected. And they have a couple of demands out and actions that we can take, which are don't leave reviews for HarperCollins books. They're not saying don't buy them. They're not saying don't purchase books by these authors. They're not saying that, but they are saying don't review them. Leave, basically leave them out of your mouth. (laughs) Don't be saying it. Exactly. But we love RF Kuang and definitely want to support her. The books that I got that you didn't... I got Hannah Witten's book, The Foxglove King. Hilariously, Mm. we ordered these quite a long time ago. I hardly remember what these books are about, but I know in the moment when I was going feral on the Barnes & Noble website (laughs) that it sounded good enough to me to buy. Well, that's why we both got Fourth Wing, because dragons. (laughs) Literally. There's a dragon on the cover, and I was like, ah, add to cart. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I did, too. I'm like, I don't know what the plot is. Give me the book. Speaking of pirates... I ordered H.M. Long's book, Dark Water Daughter, which I believe has something to do with pirates, if I'm remembering correctly. So, of course, I ordered it. Then I also ordered Emily Tesh's book, Some Desperate Glory, which I am very excited for. Mm-hmm. It's a sort of space opera type, type book, sci-fi, LGBT. I can't wait to read that one. We know a couple people on Book Talk who got advanced readers copies and are looking forward to reading it themselves. So I can't wait to read it and then hopefully make an episode about it. You may see them, uh, hear them, I should say, on an episode of the pod at some <laughs> point in the future. But wink, uh, wink, we'll nudge, keep, nudge. We'll keep some secrets to ourselves. <laughs> Besides everything that we do for the podcast and also everything we do for our day jobs, this is what I did to exist as a person. I tried Radizio this weekend, which is. Wait, what? What is it? It's Brazilian barbecue, but it is a style of food similar to what you would get at like a Korean barbecue place where it's all you can Mm -hmm. eat. So you pay a flat rate and they just bring meats to your table, just chicken, pork, beef, everything. So Michael and I went with a couple Mm -hmm. of friends and I've never eaten so much meat in my life. It was delicious. (laughs) Don't know that I would do it again. The meat sweats were coming through pretty heavy. After that, we went out to bars and I was like, oh my God, I just (laughs) ate so much meat. (laughs) Every time I hear about one of those places, I am reminded of Bridesmaids where they had that. And so I can't, I want to go, I want to consume the food, but I always am keenly reminded of how south some adventures can go. Uh, Two pictures of sangria later. Yeah, it was a rough one. (laughs) Thank you, Liquid IV. Listen. Oh, God bless. That's a real sponsorship I would love. Like all these book related ones would be great, but if we can get sponsored by Liquid IV, my life would be made. <laughs> Do you stay up late at night and wake up feeling tired in the morning? <laughs> Do you feel your throat constricting? Do you feel a little bit of a headache, a throbbing in your head? Well, look no further for a solution than Liquid IV. This is not a sponsorship. I'm just, this is how it'll sound. <laughs> Off the cuff. We're giving you a taste, Liquid IV. Come, <laughs> come give us some free samples, please. My favorite flavors are grape and tropical punch. Tropical Punch is the only acceptable flavor that I will. <laughs> well, berry is good. Oh, this really is not sponsored. I, I promise. We just happened to. We're like getting off the cuff here. We got to. We got to circle back. Circle back. We got to get back. Let's get back to the regular nonsense. I read two articles that are kind of semi-bookish related. Did I send you either of these? No, but you did tell me about them in a voice message. Oh, Michaela and I don't text. We <laughs> just send each other little mini podcasts to each other. Oh my god. <laughs> It's so true. This is why I don't get anything done in my real job. So there's an article on The Cut about upgraded social graces and behavior. I'm not going to kind of go through it because there are a lot of them. It's like over 100 of these little like tips and answers to weird social questions. I just found it really, really entertaining. The other article is 
it's on Slate now, but I think it's an, an entry taken from Mary Sue. It's an article on Colleen Hoover, and it's called The Backlash Against America's Most Popular Novelist is Way Less Satisfying Than I'd Hoped. The person who wrote this article brings up a couple of things, one of them namely being that generally many of us are not giving young women any credit for knowing how to discern what is bad and what is being romanticized. Facts. Yeah. So, I mean, it's very interesting. I Listen, I'm not a fan of Colleen Hoover, but the other fun thing I did, and I posted this on TikTok, I am obsessed with getting a collection of books together. Obviously, I'm going to read them, but I go to thrift stores and I look for a couple of different series and I'm trying to just buy them and not buy them new. So I'm looking for the Percy Jackson books. I've, I got two of them this weekend, which is great. And then I got two in the Heroes of Olympus series, also by Rick Riordan. And I don't know if you remember Septimus Heap or not. Do you remember? I do. I do. Yeah. I found the fifth one yesterday. So now I have one through five and they have very pretty covers. So I was able to find all of those while thrifting this weekend. I spent six dollars on all of those books amazing they're in great condition and the two the son of neptune and the house of hades are hardbacks they are pristine with dust jackets i don't know if somebody somebody's mother was cleaning out their room while they're away at college or something and i feel kind of bad (laughs) it's because these are in pristine condition so i felt like i stole something when i walked out of there we love a deal we love a deal full circle moment here on the pod (laughs) not going back (laughs) Just circling all the way back to the book we read for this episode, I think I'd recommend this to quite a few folks. When my niece and nephew get older, it might be a good book for me to give to them. I think my brother would really enjoy this book, my brother Lucas. Who would you recommend this book to? It's tricky because I don't have a lot of people in my life that love to read horror books. And I feel like that's how I would want to introduce them to this book and then sneakily have discussions about all the topics we were discussing previously, the themes of the yeah. book. I'd recommend it to you. I'm going to pull a Zachariah. If we weren't on the pod, I'd recommend it to you. <laughs> that's very funny because it would be one of the ones that I think I would pick up. So this is kind of right up my alley. Like yeah. anything that you do that's queer, paranormal or horror, if you combine the things at the same time, I'm sold. I have a couple friends that come to mind that I think I would recommend this to. My friend Bass, I think, would really like this. But it is dealing with some heavier topics, so I'd have to give fair warning to anybody I recommended this to, especially to our lovely listeners. Just again, want to reiterate, please read the content warnings. Please protect your peace if that is what you need to do. But read this book. Mm-hmm. If you are able to handle the topics that he's talking about, this book is is really interesting. It's really good. And it will sit with you. It'll, it'll make you think. And like we said, it's a quick read. Yeah, it's a little campy like in spots. It's a little fun. And it can be a little cathartic for me. This is between three and a half to four star kind of read for me. And that feels pretty good. It seems to be in line with also how a lot of others felt about it on Goodreads. It's really hard for me to give a book five stars. I just, yeah, I really don't do it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pages Unknown. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please feel free to leave us a star rating or a review. They really, really do help guide us along in what we want to put out for y'all next. If you have a moment to follow us over on social medias, on TikTok, on Instagram, on Goodreads, you can see what we're reading next. We described 17 books here, so it's easier (laughs) to just go on our Goodreads and see them all laid out. Other than that, we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you very soon.